All right, good morning. Well, my name is Mike Milner. If, you, if I've not met you before, good morning. Hi, it's nice to meet you. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I have the privilege of speaking this morning, and uh, we, are, we have been in a series for some time. Uh, we're getting close to the end, guys. First uh, Corinthians has been our kind of, um, this has been where we've been camped for quite some time, and we have done some hard work through some interesting and challenging passages. Um, it's been a rich experience, but I have to confess, when, Rock, when Brock told me that I get chapter 12, I was like, yes, I get chapter 12. <laughs> I get to talk about the good stuff. I get to talk about the, the spiritual gifts, the, the functioning of the church community working together through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, that is an exciting topic. And I, I just want to tell you that it's okay to get excited this morning. So if you just spontaneously feel like jumping up out of your seat and, and realizing how exciting it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to know that you are called to partner with Jesus to extend his kingdom to the ends of the earth and it's going to be amazing and you're going to see more things than you can imagine or dream or think about, then it's okay if you get excited because I'm feeling kind of excited about it. So... Um, so that's, that's what we have in store. So you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. We may be old school today. We may have technology, but we may not have technology. Um, so we, uh, if you can see a Bible on a phone, or there's often Bibles in the back of the chairs or the pews, grab one if you brought one, great. If you haven't got access to any of them, just shuffle along till you find somebody where you're sat who, who does and then kind of peer over their shoulder. I have to uh, begin by acknowledging that um, there is a lot in this chapter, and uh, I am not going to do justice to everything that is in here this morning. So forgive me. Um, I am going to just dive into some pieces. We're going to look at some things in detail, particularly the first section where Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I'm going to give us a little context to begin with and background, and then we'll talk a little bit about how it all works together as far as the body functioning together with Jesus. Sound okay? All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll get into this. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing amongst us. I thank you for this body of people. I thank you for each person here today, and I thank you for those who are not with us today. I thank you that in each one of us, you have placed your Holy Spirit, and that you have given us special talents and abilities and gifting um, that are not just things for us to have so that we can do something with our time, but they are powerful. Uh, they are gifts um, given from you so that we might display and reveal who Jesus is in the earth. And I, I pray this morning, and I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, I just profess my dependence on you. We need you to uh, open the eyes of our hearts that we might see the potential and the invitation this morning. And that we might be those who are brave to step into uh, risky places to see just how much you might do through our lives for the sake of the world, for the sake of your church. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, here we go. Um, I wanted to start by recognizing very practically um, that this is a body of people who serve this community here in multiple ways. And I wanted to take a moment and just say thank you. And so there are, many, there are many people here in this room who serve this church in different ways. 
This morning, I wanted to acknowledge um, two groups of people. And uh, so if you're not in this group, people, please bear with me. There'll be other opportunities for us to celebrate what God is doing through you. But I do want to say this, that you may not be aware that it takes about 50 or so volunteers every Sunday for us to have this experience together. And so if you're on one of our Sunday teams, I'd like you to stand up for a minute. And these might be you serve in the children's area. We have roughly 25 people or so every week that are serving with our kids. And we have about 100 kids between zero and fifth grade. We have ushers. We have people who make coffee and breakfast food. We have people who pray. We have people who... um, I should have looked at my list, shouldn't I, before I started on that. We have people who do the sound and visual. We have all sorts of um, things. But if you serve on a Sunday team, I just want you to, well, you've done it, so well done. You're standing up now. So can we just take a moment and thank these guys? We've got the worship team as well. And I just want to say uh, that I hope that you here, you guys can take a seat, thanks. I hope that you hear this morning in this passage something of an encouragement of what Paul is speaking about, the significance of the part that we have to play. And uh, last night, many of you got to enjoy uh, the fall festival that we affectionately known as LLCCCCCC. I never remember how many C's it is, but how many of you got to come here last night and enjoy that experience? Great. A number of you did. That's fantastic. Carolyn McHenry and the Rutlinger family especially, and Kristen Sneed, I saw her yesterday, did an amazing job. So thank you guys for all of your hard work in decking this place out and making it a really fun event. Okay. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have been gifted with talents and abilities from God, and they are fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are talented and empowered by the Spirit of God. Each one of us has a unique part to play in this life. We need each other, and the world needs us to be fully who we are in Christ. This is our calling. This is our destiny. The message in 1 Corinthians 12 couldn't be more significant for the church. And I want you to feel that right at the outset this morning, that who you are and what God has placed within you is, couldn't be more significant for the sake of who we are together here and for the sake of the world that we live in. You know, the church, uh, in church tradition, the, the phrase ministry of all believers really comes from this passage. The idea that um, it's not just a few people who are in a leadership role who are to be the ministers, but it's actually the people of God together to be the hands and feet, to be the ministers, those who do the work of the ministry. And N.T. Wright um, talks about even how uh, the Western world particularly hasn't done a great job of uh, modeling this for us. And he, he talks about how, um, the, 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 in, the, in, the, in fact, the very idea that the church wouldn't be like this, that wouldn't be the ministry of all believers, would be alien to Paul and to the early church. He says, Paul would have been shocked, possibly even amused in a sad sort of way at the idea which has prevailed in much official Christianity, that ministry or Christian work or service is something engaged in only by those who are in full-time paid church employment. 
And for us, it's like we, we talk about this phrase of everybody gets to play, which we have stolen from John Wimber, who was uh, famous for talking about this, this idea that each of us gets a, has a part to play. And that's a phrase that has shaped a movement, and it's inspiring us today. Even in our vision, we talk about this idea that we're a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. So in other words, we, we see ourselves as a group of people who are committed to one another, that we uh, make space for God's active presence amongst us in our worship. We say yes to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to form us into becoming like Christ. We embrace training. We are filled by God's Spirit so that our lives make an eternal impact. We're meant to be a people together who do this. So let me ask you, who do you think are the ministers of this church? Are you persuaded that we are the ministers together and the reason we have paid leaders to help facilitate this? Ephesians 4 talks about these leaders are to equip the saints for the works of service. And not just in Corinth, where we're looking at here in this letter from, from Paul to the church in Corinth, but there are other examples of this in the church, in the early church. You see this at Antioch in Acts 11 and 13. That was a place where a church community, where they played their part in reaching their city. They trained new believers they, uh, how to follow Christ and to host the presence of God in their midst. It was through the practice of worship, prayer, and other spiritual disciplines this took place. The church was birthed into this, everyone gets to play. And the fruit of it was a thriving and vibrant community. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe, let me ask it like this, do you believe that uh, what you do with your gifting to serve the church and impact the world is just as important as what I'm doing right now? Are you convinced that... Um, when you spend 90 minutes with 12 four-year-olds crawling on the floor, trying to make a connection with them, um, let alone talk to them about Jesus, is just as important to the kingdom of God as what Brad does on a Sunday morning here. I know when I wrote this, I, I feel the provocation because I don't know if I always think this way. Whether we stack chairs, greet people, make coffee, feed a person who's hungry, pray for the sick, preach the gospel, raise the dead, the pay is the same. We need each other to be who we are fully. If Jesus is going to do all that he wants to do in his heart through us, he needs each of us to step to the place where we're saying, I see what I do as just as significant as anybody else. Because what God has put inside of you matters to the kingdom. You may, not stand, you may not ever stand in front of a, a group of people with a microphone, but at the end of the day, I don't think Jesus is going to be impressed by how articulate a person is on a microphone in front of a group of people. I think he's going to be impressed with obedience. I think he's going to be delighted with the choices that we made to say, these are the things that I saw you put inside of me, God, so I went after it and I did it, and I did those things. And maybe some people noticed along the way, but maybe they didn't. I want to challenge us to think like that. I was stacking chairs this morning, getting ready for a group before the service. And uh, I was just thinking about that very thought of, I'm just setting out chairs for a group of people to come and sit down on. And yet there's something about that, that if we can find the joy 
that Jesus has when we do the very things to serve other people, it's a game changer. There's, there's joy to be found in our gifting. There is life to the full that's found. You know, what we're going to see here, what Paul is talking about here, is he's really not that concerned about the specific individual gifts. But what he's concerned with is the manifestation of the Spirit on display for the common good. He's concerned with people experiencing the reality of God through the display of our gifting, through the things that we do. Does that make sense? So it's really about anything that you do can bring glory, can bring, um, bring people into that experience of Jesus being Lord. All right, let's read something of the passage here. Um, we're going to read the first, we're going to do this in, in, two, in two or three phases here. So we're going to read the first three verses. So if you follow with me, 12 verses 1 to 3. Now, About the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is essentially, he's establishing here the primary place of relationship with God above any spiritual gifts or power that is displayed. Paul distinguishes that you have to have the Spirit of God in order to display the gifts of the Spirit. Speaking by the Spirit of God is likely a reference to speaking in tongues, which Paul um, goes into detail about in chapter 14 and something that we'll come on to um, later in a couple of weeks. Um, But the Corinthian people, they had experienced from their previous lives, they knew about ecstatic utterances in worship from their pagan worship uh, in their lives before Christ. So the evidence of supernatural utterances here was in itself not evidence of the Spirit of God. And Paul was bringing this correction to them. In this passage, Paul is most concerned with the manifestation of the Spirit of God being on display, flowing from a place of dependence on Jesus. You know, the most basic confession of the Christian faith was and is, Jesus is Lord. It's a declaration of trust in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And Gordon Fee, he makes this comment about this. He says, for Paul, the ultimate criterion of the Spirit's activity is the exaltation of Jesus as Lord, which in turn expresses itself in loving concern for others. Whatever takes away from that, begins to move away from Christ to a more pagan fascination with spiritual activity as an end in itself. What he's saying is that the the display of the gifts, the, the manifestation of the Spirit, is first of all about revealing this reality that Jesus is Lord. And it's from that place of being filled with the Spirit that we're only able to say, Jesus is Lord. And so we can, there's a correction that he's bringing to the people in Corinth because there was a preoccupation with the gifts of the Spirit, with, with the actual gifts themselves and taking their eyes somewhat off the, the reality of who God is in this and the dependence of, on God for these gifts to just fascination with, with the gifts themselves or recognizing that, um, that that was a danger for them. And so he's correcting this and he's wanting them to understand that these things are significant but they flow out of a relationship with Jesus and it's first about a relationship with him and the spirit being displayed through them. The, uh, perhaps the most significant um, 
for, well, the most significant thing for the church in Corinth was receiving this correction to not elevate the gifts of the Spirit to a place where they became the focus and goal in and of themselves. So what, we wanna, what I want us to do here is to, uh, as we move into the next verses here, 4 through um, 11, we're going to look at the gifts themselves. We're going to look at the specific gifts. We're going to take some time over some individual gifts and give some explanation. And we're going to step through at least giving a definition on some, and then some we'll look at in a little bit more detail. So if you want to read with me, we'll take the next few verses here and do that. So verse 4 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in, every, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is a key verse. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, uh, to another, speaking different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. So the the gifts here is not an exhaustive list. It's important for us to recognize that first and foremost. There are other passages in the New Testament that describe other gifts as well. In Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, you can see that. And even later on in this passage, there are references to other giftings. Um, but it is illustrative of the kinds of ways that the Spirit is made manifest. This is a major point for Paul, that the Spirit of God is revealed and the proclamation of Jesus is, as Lord is authenticated. The activating of gifts flowing from a person full of the Holy Spirit is a visible demonstration that Jesus is Lord. When you learn how to partner with the Holy Spirit and use your spiritual gifts, you're authenticating the gospel. When we learn how to partner with the Holy Spirit and use our gifts, we're authenticating the message of Jesus. I'm just enjoying that moment for myself right now. So you think about that. Think about the things that you do. Think about the ways that you've been gifted. It's not just the gift itself. And, it, you know, for example, take the, take the gift of um, helping or serving. There is some level of seeing the benefit of what you do in the moment, right? You help somebody with something. You can see the impact straight away. Maybe they say thank you. There's a, an acknowledgement. There's an understanding that my gifting was helpful, was beneficial, that it did some good, right? But have you thought about the fact that your gifting also is a, is, is a demonstration and it's an authentication of the gospel that we carry, that we communicate. One of the profound uh, things that came out of yesterday for me was we, we got to host the Alpha Day 
Many of you be aware we're hosting the Alpha course. Currently, this is a course for people to come and explore faith, ask questions. Many people who do Alpha um, are not from a Christian background, and so they're exploring what does the Christian message have to say. And so yesterday, we're hosting the Alpha Day Away, which is uh, three sessions where we meet and talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're right in the middle of the day, we're watching one of the videos, and there's a short interview with Jackie Pollinger. And some of you will know Jackie Pollinger or heard of her, but she's well known because of the work that she did with um, uh, drug addicts and gang members and people in prostitution in Hong Kong in a place called the Walled City. A lot of poverty, a lot of um, devastation. And she's been doing that for 50 years. Um, and they were watching just her interview, and... Uh, one of the observations that came as we were discussing the video afterwards was the reality of um, someone like her life speaks powerfully, speaks to people who don't associate with the Christian faith. There's something about the way she's living her life and what she's choosing to do that communicates something powerful. She's using her gifting. She's using what God has called her to do. And it is having an impact there, but it's also speaking to people about who are not involved with that in any way about the power of God and the, and the realness of God in this world. Does that make sense? So there's something that happens when the church does the things it's called to do, when we use our gifting, when we serve, that it speaks, it's a witness, it communicates to people, even for people who are not directly involved with it. There is a power that's displayed when we use our gifting to serve God and to serve other people. So how do these gifts work? How do, the, how do, we, how do we get hold of these gifts? How do, we, um, how do we receive the gifts? What does it look like? So let's step through some of these gifts. And this is going to feel a little bit kind of systematic now because we're going to go through the gifts together and uh, we're going to talk about them briefly. So it's important to recognize that there is, a, uh, there is this, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating all of these things. There are many different expressions, but it's the one spirit through all of them. First of all, Paul talks about there's this gift um, or a message of wisdom or an utterance of wisdom. Um, it's a word of wisdom. In essence, what this is, is a, it's, it's a, like a, it's an ability or a knowing in the moment of what's needed or what to do. You might think of um, Solomon in the Old Testament uh, when he was presented with, by two ladies coming to him and came to him and said that this is my baby. They both had... Um, saying, laying claims to the baby being theirs. And Solomon was faced with this difficult situation. What does he do? In a moment, there is this wisdom of speaking to them and basically, in a profound moment, says, hey, cut the baby in half and give half to each. And of course, what happens is the real mom says, no, 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 give the baby to the other lady. And of course, it reveals then who the true mom is. And it's a moment of wisdom in, uh, that, that, that broke into that moment. In the New Testament, uh, Jesus often was confronted with religious leaders who often were skeptical or even hostile to him, and they would try to catch him out with questions. And perhaps the most well-known example of that is when Jesus, in John 8, is confronted with a lady who's been caught in adultery, and he asks that very famous question, who is without sin cast the first stone? They were waiting for him to say, are you going to approve this stoning, or are you going to disapprove this stoning? And he cut right between the middle of it, and he just said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, and no one could throw a stone. It was a moment of wisdom in the moment of knowing what to do. 
You know, there may be people in your life who display this, people that you're aware of. Um, there may be people that you first think of when you're like, I need some wisdom on this matter. Um, I know in my life there's been a couple of people. Um, actually, uh, Rock has been one of these people for me and another guy in England. But, but typically, if you're married and you're male, it's probably your wife. So um, if you didn't work that one out already, then uh, there's a freebie for you this morning. So... Secondly, we've got uh, the message uh, of uh, knowledge, the, or the utterance of knowledge. And there are really two schools of thought on this. One is that it's a, it's a natural expression, or one is uh, that it's a supernatural one. And they, um, there's reasons for this, and, and different commentators have different views on this. But essentially, I wanted to pose this to you this morning. Uh, there is a bit of a problem if you take it as just a natural gift, because um, they describe it, um, the natural gift of just being able to speak with knowledge about something. But then you have to ask the question, I think, well, why is it in this list with other gifts that are also primarily, or at least um, there's a spiritual dimension or a supernatural dimension to the way that these gifts work? And so, although Paul lists um, prophecy later on, um, there is, a, there is a school of thought that this is actually about the word of knowledge. And uh, the word of knowledge being this kind of, if you like, divine revelation in a moment, some information that you couldn't have known by natural means suddenly being made known to you. And again, we can see a good example of this with Jesus. Um, Jesus in John 4, when he encounters the woman at the well, there's this whole encounter. He's there, middle of the day, needing a drink, has this conversation with this lady, and right in the middle of the conversation, um, he says to her, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And then he drops the bombshell of, well, that's right. You've had five husbands and the man that you're now with is not your husband. And she's like, whoa, where did you get that from? Uh, and so right there, there's an example of um, divine revelation in a moment, something that Jesus didn't know in the natural that was dropped into his understanding. And just if you can bear with me and track with me for here a min in a mo for a moment, this passage is actually really helpful because it illustrates um, different aspects of prophetic gifting. So the word of knowledge is that moment where something comes into his mind, however he got that. And then you see later on in the verses that Jesus goes on to prophesy what will happen in the future. And he speaks about worship and where worship will take place and how worship will look. And so there is this... Um, Word of knowledge that drops in, that gets this woman's attention, that actually she recognizes and discerns that Jesus is a prophet, and then he speaks something about the future. This actually leads to this whole town coming to faith in Christ. And so there is this catalytic moment that happens with the word of knowledge that then becomes a prophetic word, and it sees the fruit. Am I communicating? Okay, good. For some of you, I am. So the Prophecy and word of knowledge often flow together, um, but they can look. They, they, if you, they can be different as well. I remember having a similar experience. I had the privilege of being on an Alpha course a few years ago, and there was this young guy. His name's Alex, and uh, he was um, he'd been doing the course. He'd been coming along several weeks, and uh, we got to this part of the course where we had a few people come and share prophetic words, um, just offering to pray for people, share information, um, to encourage people. And I hadn't been on the team this year, but I'd come with those who'd come to do the prophetic ministry. And so I had not met Alex before. And uh, I had this picture. I saw him playing on a, a keyboard. And I felt like the Lord just said to me, he, 
he uses music and he plays music as a way of dealing with difficult things in his life. And so as I, as I, I said this to him, I shared this information and he just kind of nodded at me at the time and said, yeah, I'd love you to pray for me. So I went over um, to hear a little bit more detail. And he told me that actually um, a few years ago, um, his parents had divorced. And part of how he had dealt with the divorce was that he had been writing a song in order to kind of express what he was feeling about that. And that was a tipping point for him. He'd been on the course. And in, a, in that moment, there was this connection with God sees me. He knows me. He he recognizes my circumstances. And we had the privilege of praying with him and inviting Jesus into his life for the first time. And, you know, that's, that's an example of how the word of knowledge can work with prophecy and bringing about people into that experience of the manifestation of the Spirit, that God is real, that he's present, that he's at work. Another, uh, verse 9, it talks about another faith by the same Spirit. And this gift of faith is important to recognize. This is not the the gift of faith that we, in uh, connection with our salvation, the, the point when we recognize Jesus and ask him into our life, this is something different. This is a, uh, this is, the commentators talk about how faith is this, um, often it's uh, in a moment or a situation or a project or something that you are um, facing, that God gives you this kind of conviction, this belief, this confidence that um, God's in it and it's going to work out. So they talk about that, the, the references uh, talk about the, when Jesus talks about if you have faith to move mountains, this is the kind of thing that he's talking about here. Another, uh, to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. Um, and this, something I don't think needs a lot of explanation, but um, in that it's about a gift for healing. But notice it's in the plural, um, gifts of healing. And Gordon Fee makes a comment about this. He says, it's not necessarily that um, uh, the gift of healing is a permanent state, meaning you always experience um, the healing every time, but it's um, almost like every time healing happens, it's a gift that is um, manifested through you um, and brought to the person who is praying for the benefit of the person they're praying for. Verse 10 talks about the um, miraculous powers. (laughs) And this was really just... This was infuriating. I was reading like so many commentaries do not explain what this is. And I was like, what, what, what is miraculous powers? I get that it's not healing or that it's different to healing, but what is it? And so many people don't actually talk specifically about what it is. So I'm just sharing that because it took me a long time to figure it out. So, um, but it seems like the most um, understood explanation for miraculous powers other than healing is to do with some of the examples that we see about deliverance, people being set free, perhaps people being raised from the dead. Examples where, (laughs) don't ask me to explain this today because I'm not going to, but you know when Ananias and Sapphira have that whole thing with Peter and they drop down and it's not good and that would be one of those examples that some commentators are brave enough to cite or Alemius who who was struck blind. Those would be other examples of uh, miraculous powers at work. But also, and I think this is one that we can get hold of for today. Some commentators talk about it's actually the, when you see and read about where um, the apostles laid their hands on people and they uh, received an impartation and releasing into gifting, 
Like Paul and Timothy, for example, Paul laid his hands on Timothy and there was a release of gifting that was activated in Timothy in order for him to go and do the work that God had called him to. There is something here about that power that flows through that place that I think is something that we can actually get hold of. And here's something that I've experienced. People who have a gift, a spiritual gift, and they know they have it and they're practiced in using it, when they pray for other people to um, operate in that gifting, often something happens, often something is activated. And actually, before we finish in one minute, <clears throat> um, we're going to do that right now. I got carried away. It's 12 o'clock. Wow. Sorry about that. Okay. So, let's do this. Well, we're just going to land this thing. So, here's what I want to do. Are you guys okay if we just move and pray as we finish? I realize that there's a lot more to be said about this. Um, but let me just uh, summarize something, and then I want to invite you to receive um, from the Holy Spirit this morning. I, I want to pray um, that God would release and impart gifting to us. And if you're on the ministry team this morning, if you would come forward now and make yourselves available, that would be great. Um, don't wait. Um, I want to um, ask that um, really what I started with this morning is that God would stir something in us today that would activate us, that would, um, would get us to a point where we begin to see that God has um, more than we can imagine or ask to work through at the gifting that he's given us. And what I want you to do is this. I just want you to think for a moment. Some of you will know what your spiritual gifts are. This is not a new topic for you. Some of you here today, maybe you have a sense of it, but maybe you're thinking, I don't know if I've really ever stepped into my spiritual gifts. Um, and maybe some of you, this is the first time that you've ever heard someone talk about spiritual gifts. But I'm just going to ask, um, would you guys stand with me? Wherever you are in that place, I want to invite you to ask God for, for more this morning. Ask him to increase what he's given you. Ask him to give you new gifts. You know, Paul talks about how we can uh, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So there's something connected to, if we're desiring it, if we're hungry, that's probably something God's put in us. So it's really good to ask God to move through that. And so if there's a gifting that you've seen, that you know, that you experience a little bit, you experience joy when you're in it, um, ask him for that this morning. And if you've never experienced this before, ask God to show you. Ask him for it. Look at the list. Ask him for something that's on there. And if you want someone to come and pray with you specifically, um, just come down. Um, these guys up here, many of them are practiced in the spiritual gifts. They have things to pray and impart. So I'd encourage you. You can stay there and have a moment with God while the band just play in the background. Or you can come down and receive prayer.